mini-episode 1143 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at Sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late-night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello everyone, welcome to the FDH Lounge. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here. We are doing our annual series, our breakdown of all the NFL divisions for 2019, and today we are doing the NFC South. And uh, I have with me here as my esteemed co-pilot, FDH Lounge dignitary, good friend Raymond Smalley, of course the proprietor of the fine Googling Atlee Hammaker sports and entertainment brand. You can uh, find the latest works now at alwaysgooglingatleehammaker.blogspot.com. And uh, we're going division by division here. The NFC South, an interesting one. I referred to the NFC North as far as the possibility of what teams might do up or down as being a rich man's version of the AFC South. I might perhaps refer to the NFC South as a slightly upper middle class man's version of the AFC South, but what say you? I would, I would, some, I would somewhat agree with that. Okay. Is there are teams that could really go in either direction, up or down. Uh, there are a number of teams in this division uh, that have made it to Super Bowls in uh, recent years, uh, uh, none successfully, although if you go back a decade in New Orleans, I guess I'd be wrong about that, but uh, a decade's a long time. I'm going to go to the team that was there the most recent time, the Atlanta Falcons. I'm going to start there. They're my pick as the divisional champions uh, somewhat kind of by default, because more so I guess that I can rule out some of the other teams here in this division. It is getting to be kind of a now or never kind of a deal, I think, for Dan Quinn, especially a defensive coach, and it's been the defensive side of the ball that has kind of lagged a bit in his tenure there. Uh, the talent is, I think, getting to be there to where they can kind of turn this around. And uh, again, if Vic Beasley can build on some of the early success in his career, uh, that could go an awful long ways offensively. As I had predicted, adding Calvin Ridley to the mix with Julio Jones, uh, Mohamed Sanu, you, you kind of take a little bit of the steam off of him, make him not have to be a number two wide receiver necessarily. Their depth there is very good. Uh, Devontae Freeman, he does not have uh, the security blanket of Tevin Cole behind him. Instead, now it's Judge Ito Smith. Uh, in the number two role there. So you got to kind of wonder how that's going to go. If, if Freeman goes down, as he has a tendency to sometimes do, are they going to be able to pull through? But, again, uh, Matty Ice, uh, somebody I have always felt like deserves more credit. The 2016 season undoubtedly will go down as a career year for him. He may never reach those heights again. Although, depending on the progression of Calvin Ridley and if Julio Jones can, can stay at a high level, uh, I might be wrong about that. He may be able to reach that level yet again. But I have a feeling that this organization, which, uh, again, is, is somewhat under the radar when you look at this division, and that's been the one thing in recent years here, that's been the one sort of constant, is that the one team or two where you're like, that team's good, but this team's better, 
a lot of times that's the team that rises up. And so I think it will be the case again this year. The Atlanta Falcons, in my estimation, your 2019 NFC South champions. What say you, Smalls? You have those rosters side by side. And what was interesting to me when I was putting together the triplets piece for always Googling at Lee Hamaker, the combination of quarterback, running back, wide receiver, Atlanta, number three on that list, behind only New Orleans, obviously, in this division, and the Los Angeles Chargers. Skill positions, Devonta Freeman, I agree with you, Tevin Coleman is a loss, and we don't know how to judge Ito Smith, uh, Quadri Allison, Ricky Ortiz, uh, those sound like three shift workers at a Qdoba. <laughs> I don't good. know among them who can be the compliment to Devonta Freeman, but beyond that, you talk about one of the best collections of skilled talent, Devonta Freeman, Julio Jones, Muhammad Sanu, Calvin Ridley, I completely agree with you. They're too deep as a little thin, but that front three right there, absolutely among the best in the league, if not the best combination. I won't say I love Matt Ryan as much as you love Matt Ryan, but he's at, but he is a top-half quarterback in this league, arguably a top-ten quarterback in this league, and when he's right, can be a top-five quarterback in this league. You look at their roster versus New Orleans' roster, skill positions, again, arguable. I would take Atlanta over New Orleans with the exception of the quarterback, uh, and I don't think anyone would argue that point. But you look at their offensive line versus New Orleans' offensive line, I'd take Atlanta's. You look at their front four versus Atlanta's front four, I'd take Atlanta's. You look at the linebackers, very close. Again, I'd take Atlanta's. You look at the secondary, without question, I would take Atlanta's. Their roster, for as much as everyone loves New Orleans, and I can understand why, they could never get past the heartbreak of the Minnesota Miracle. Well, they did. Well, they could never get past the heartbreak of, you know, what happened with the NFC Championship game. Well, we don't know that. They very well could. However, when you look at Atlanta's roster, again, I talked about the offense, the skill position players, that offensive line, Jake Matthews, Alex Mack, Chris Lindstrom. I love their interior it's a very good offensive line. That's a top-half offensive line in this league. Defensively, again, it's a little more whole. is greater than some of its parts. We'll see what Dan Quinn can do as a defensive play caller this year. But, yeah, Vic Beasley has to come back to form. But I like uh, Takaris McKinley, Devondre Campbell, Keanu Neal, Ricardo Allen, Desmond Trufant, that, that back-half secondary. Absolutely the best in this division may be one of the better ones in this league. You look at their roster versus New Orleans roster, again, I'm taking Drew Brees over Matt Ryan, and I'd love to find the person outside of Matt Ryan's immediate family that would argue with me. However, the rest of that roster, again, this is a fascinating division race. could be a very close division race. Watching those two play is going to be very, very fun this year, but I would agree with you, pound for pound, Falcons over the Saints. Yeah, and that's uh, so we both see it the same way. And again, I think the Falcons, if they make the playoffs, uh, they're a threat to go deep. 
uh, in this. I'm actually going to be somebody that is going to take issue, though, with the one thing you said there. Uh, Matt Ryan v. Drew Brees, uh, I am going to say I would take wait, him. Wait, 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 wait. You, and, and I don't know your entire lineage, though. We've been friends for a while now. Are you are in a Matt, Ryan, Matt Ryan's immediate family? <laughs> I'm not really I, I, was unaware, I was unaware of that, but congratulations. I hope he sent you money. Yeah, well, uh, that, that is an accusation that I think Kyle Ross uh, probably made about me a couple times as well uh, during previous incarnations of the show. Uh, I'm going to say this not necessarily because of anything about Matt Ryan, but I'm looking at Drew Brees, and, you know, it was not an awful long period of time. It was, I think, the coming down the stretch in 2014 where it was like, you know, Peyton Manning doesn't seem quite like himself anymore. Before long, we were all ready to have the man fitted for a diaper. How do we know that the same trajectory is not in front of us right now with Drew Brees? I'm looking at this right now, and this is where I'm predicating a big part of this because, again, there are a lot of people picking New Orleans to go to the Super Bowl, and I might very well be among them were it not for the fact that I look at the way that he played the second half of last year, uh, and and even in the playoff win against Philly, where he was only sporadically good, and uh, I think sporadically good would be generous if we were to talk about the NFC Championship game. So, again, I look at this, and that's my biggest question about this. Uh, Defensively, again, they, they took a step back, I felt like, from the year previous, uh, when it really looked like, they were shedding their reputation as being a team where the defense really held back Drew Brees. I don't know if they were holding him back last year necessarily, but they gave back some of the gains. Still have a lot of talent there on that side of the ball. And uh, when you're looking at Marshawn Lattimore, even if he wasn't what he was the year before, he is still one of the very most talented uh, cornerbacks in this league. And that's a real building block for you on that side of the ball. Cam Jordan is still elite. Uh, the skill position talent, you've talked about this already. Uh, it's very good. But I keep coming back to this with Drew Brees. That's the nagging thought in my own head. And uh, where, again, I don't even have them as a playoff team this year. I have them missing it in a tiebreaker. I'm sticking my neck out on this one here. New Orleans 9-7, and seven, out the playoffs. Rick, are you very, very high right now? <laughs> I am tired. Wait a minute, as I mentioned... As I mentioned, we have been friends for a lot of years, and if you are, I insist that you share. Uh, I am not, albeit I am extraordinarily tired after a very long day, and I, I still have a lot of stretch of road in front of me here, but no, not high. Michael Thomas is absolutely a, he's a top five wide receiver in this league. He's arguably uh, the best wide receiver in this league. He's absolutely a, a, a top three wide receiver and, 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 and such a unique talent. Um Alvin Kamara, what's special about comparing Atlanta and New Orleans? Again, I'll reference my triplets piece. You have a top eight, you have two top eight quarterbacks, two top eight running backs, two top eight wide receivers. Find me another division where that is even possible. True. Alvin Kamara, I love. Again, I'll say with Michael Thomas, top five, absolutely. Top three, quite possibly. Number one, on his best day when he's right. Um, where I say that Atlanta's roster is better is once you're past Julio Jones, Muhammad Sanu, Calvin Ridley. Once you're past Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn Jr., and Traquan Smith. Yeah. Well, don't forget Simi Cobbs. 
you asked me about Philadelphia, would I revise my estimation of them downward uh, if Car- uh, Carson Wentz wasn't uh, in there and, ha- and healthy? Uh, of course I would. I reserve the right to say New Orleans is a playoff team if Drew Brees goes down and Teddy Bridgewater comes in. I've always been high on Teddy I Bridgewater. Think, I, I couldn't argue that. I, no, absolutely not. I wouldn't argue that. Okay. All right. But I, I'm saying... I, I think- Listen, I think Teddy Bridgewater... I think Minnesota gave up on him way too quick. And I understand that when you are paying a quarterback that I don't think should be a starter in this league, the gross domestic product of belief, then yes, you have to give up on a guy that was injured. But no, if Drew Brees Brees never played another down for the New Orleans Saints tomorrow, and I know there's a little lag time from when we're recording this and when we're posting, so if that happens, I'm sorry, Drew, I... 
I didn't know the power that I had with speech more impressive than I thought. <laughs> However, if Teddy, if, if Drew Brees never plays another down for the New Orleans Saints and Teddy Bridgewater's your starting quarterback, absolutely, I think they're still a division contender. I think they're still a contender to make noise deep into the NFC playoffs. Yeah, very much so. And uh, again... Uh, my, my sense at the moment is uh, I would be more comfortable uh, right now if I thought it was going to be a Teddy Bridgewater in December than Drew Brees. Such are my concerns about uh, the, the status of Drew Brees' trajectory of his career, but uh, we'll have to see how that one plays out. Something that you alluded to as far as the necessary lag time uh, between recording this series of divisional previews and when they all get posted, uh, as much as I bitched and whined about it before with Ezekiel Elliott holding out, I'm going to do the same thing here, just generally speaking, with the Carolina Panthers, because in the third preseason game, Cam Newton went down with that foot deal, and it is still too soon to know uh, what is going to be the case. Right now, it looks like he is being classified as questionable for week one versus the L.A. Rams, which I think... Uh, Rick, yeah. this, he is listed this day today. Say it with me now, aren't you and I both? Yes, yes, we are all. But, uh, again, this is one of these things. And, you know, my good friend and FDH golf editor, uh, Tom Dank, for as much as I like to uh, rag on the guy for being a wokester and all these other things about this, uh, he's certainly somebody who's a little bit of a hipster. He took issue with my notion about the Ringer being a very hipster online publication. I said, come on, man. Anytime you're running a column where it's like, you know, I'm not sure I would give up on Jalen Brown for a chance to get Kawhi Leonard, which is the column they ran uh, about a year ago when it was being rumored about Boston trying to trade for Kawhi Leonard. You know, I think they outdid themselves. Talking about Carolina's elite group of skill position talent that they have here. Christian McCaffrey is a fine specimen at running back, albeit he still doesn't look like an every-down guy to me at this point in time here. But the notion that between D.J. Moore and Greg Olson and everyone else, and, oh, Curtis Samuel's just getting ready to turn the corner. I, I mean, have they outdone themselves in terms of hipsterism, writing a column like that, Smalls? No, I, I no, I don't think that I don't think necessarily that I don't think necessarily that they have. You know, where I would where I would talk about Carolina, I, I agree with you in terms of I love Christian McCaffrey, but coming out of Stanford, he was supposed to be your complement. He was supposed to be a weapon. He was supposed to be the guy that you could play at running back in certain situations or play in the slot. He's a weapon. He wasn't supposed to be Ezekiel Elliott or Todd Gurley. Right. All right? And I don't know if the thought is, well, Ezekiel Elliott catches 73 balls out of the backfield, and you know, he's an every-down guy. So Ezekiel Elliott and Christian McCaffrey weren't the same guy in college. They weren't supposed to be the same guy coming into the NFL. They are not the same guy. In terms of in terms of their offense, Greg Olson, still a top 10 tight end in this league, still a huge fan of his. You look beyond You look beyond that, and the two deep for them is, I think, deceptively stronger than people in terms of guys like Chris Hogan, Torrey Smith, Jarius Wright. That said, those top two, DJ Moore, Chris Samuel, and granted, Julio Jones and Michael Thomas are in this league. And in this division, that 
you know, I look at that, Cam Newton, outside of the one shining season he had, obviously there are injury questions again there. And I won't go as far as I did with the Detroit Lions, which is, well, we loved him, didn't get us to where we want to go. Do we start having the conversation about a backdoor to shove him out of? Won't go that far with Cam Newton. Eventually you're going to have to have that conversation, and especially when you look at the pieces around him. Uh, again, deceptively too deep at running back, too, when you throw in a guy like Cameron Artis Payne. Uh, but, you know, it is an offensive skill position set. The offensive line is a major question to me. I think the offensive line is the worst in this division. I think the offensive line is a bottom half in the league. It's certainly a bottom half in the NFC. Uh, you look at those skill position players, Cam Newton, questionably healthy, was questionably healthy last year, was questionably healthy the year before. Christian McCaffrey, again, he wasn't supposed to be the guy. He was supposed to be the guy that got counts on. And two wide receivers that good, again, when you're comparing them to Michael Thomas and Julio Jones, I understand that's unfair, but I like them. I don't come within driving distance of loving them. And I think the offense, and I won't talk about the defense because you were asking me about a separate point, but I think the offense, in ways, holds this team back. They're not a playoff team to me. I think they could be on the – I think that I think that anyone anyone who looked last year when they were 6-2 and two and thought they're an elite NFC team, no, like Rick talking about Matt Ryan versus Drew Brees, you were out of your mind high. <laughs> However, I still think that this offense holds them back from being better than they could be. Yeah, I think it does as well. And you look at it, and Cam Newton, and, and for all the issues that I've had with him over the years, I, I cannot deny that he is a fierce competitor, arguably uh, fierce enough to uh, bite part of the ear off of teammate Elijah Holyfield, although I don't know why he would necessarily. But uh, he is a fierce competitor. But again, that, that style that he plays with here, it takes a toll on him. When, you, when you're going to be the big physical quarterback and not afraid to run the ball and everything else like that, uh, again, and, and I have granted over the, the years that I don't think he's had the kind of uh, support at wide receiver uh, that a top-flight quarterback should. It is true that between Samuel and especially D.J. Moore, who's a more polished route runner, uh, he may have better support than he has had in the past. But you look at defensively, and for what feels like the 59th consecutive year, I'm saying, you know, boy, this, this could be a really outstanding unit if Luke Keekley makes it through the year. And that's always the question there. He's one of the best defensive players in the league when healthy. And, uh, again, unfortunately, he's gotten his bell rung a lot of times. And uh, the next time could be the last and probably should be in the era of CTE awareness. But Bruce Irvin is in there. I mean, that's a guy, I think, who's still got some stuff left in the tank. And, you know, they've got some some players on this defense. They've, they've got some guys. That, I mean, they always do. And, uh, you know, Shaq Green-Thompson is in there. This is always a defense. Gerald McCoy, who I was very much hoping my Browns would end up with, but instead he goes here, Don Terry Poe. So you don't have to squint very hard to look at this defense to see where they can really kind of get it together. But uh, again, this is a thing where, you know, Carolina for years and years and years, it just, there are any number of games on their schedule where you just look at it and you go, regardless of who you think is going to win, eh, that's a 17 to 13 game. 
And between the strength of the defense and the questions of the offense, it looks like it'll be another year of that kind of stuff happening in Carolina. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, look, I talked about Kenny Galladay, the ten dollar version of T. Y. Hilton. Uh Luke Keekley is a fifty dollar version of Sean Lee. The commonality is neither of them can stand the field. Luke Keekley when he's healthy is is arguably a Hall of Famer. Yes. Um Unfortunately, like Cam Newton, he you know he, he cannot stay healthy. I agree with you. There are parts on this defense when you talk about the guys you talk about, Dontari Poe. Uh, I'm kneeling, by the way, as I talk about Eric Reed, uh, <laughs> who still obviously can play some very good football. Uh, a guy you didn't mention that I love, Matt. Um, when I look at that defense, though, you know, I put it. I would put it favorably, you know, up against New Orleans. I would put it a step below Atlanta's. However, when you look at this roster versus New Orleans or Atlanta's roster versus other teams within their conference, you look at other teams within their conference. Green Bay being a great example of, okay, defense isn't everything it could be, but that offense can carry us for a little bit, so the defense will find itself. You know, there. I can't say that when I look at Carolina's offense. I can't say, especially if it is Will Greer or Kyle Allen. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, and yeah, to an extent, as you talked about earlier, every team in this league is one one bad shot on a quarterback. From, from going from from going to the penthouse to the non penthouse, I won't use the word my father used to use. Uh, but Carolina, on a in a good season, I look at this team, I look at this talent, and I think eight and eight, ceiling ten and six. If it's Will Will Greer or Kyle Allen there, I think four and twelve. So you're not buying that. You are not buying this talk from draft day of, uh, oh, Will Greer, they are sneaky preparing for the future there in Carolina. You're not, uh, you're, you're not buying the notion uh, that they got him here as insurance and he'll be the next guy if something happens to Cam? They are sneaky preparing for the future. Yeah. Um, in the same way that Donald Trump raising those tariffs on China that are Due to kick in September 1st, by the way, for those of you wrapping up your back-to-school shopping or thinking about Christmas shopping early, that is only a few days from now. (laughs) In the same way that Donald Trump increasing those tariffs is sneaky preparing for the future, then yeah, Carolina's sneaky preparing for the future. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, you make that comparison. Then and uh, a team that uh, preparing for the future, you got to kind of put in. By the air way, quotes. I mentioned, I yeah. mentioned, and I, and I will say that given Eric Reed's presence on the team and what I said I was doing earlier, I understand the Carolina Panthers are President Trump's favorite team. <laughs> yeah, not hardly. Uh, a team that is not preparing for the future. Uh, I think when you're looking at the talent acquisition, sneakily or otherwise. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and this is a thing where you look at the success, the great success that Bruce Arians has had as a head coach, and this is almost like one of these deals that the stunt magicians like to do, because if he can turn this team into a winner, 
This is the equivalent of like one of these stunt comedians tying a cinder block to his junk and successfully running Olympic speed at 40 yards with this kind of roster and with the questions that they've had at quarterback and other places. Bruce Arians will be a miracle worker beyond anything he's ever done if this team even sniffs a wild card, Smalls. I completely agree with you. And you mentioned Bruce Arians. I'll talk about their offensive and defensive units momentarily. If you're not going to get the Browns job, which, I mean, obviously there was interest there. There was interest from, I, I don't have to say there was interest in, in, in the Browns and Bruce Arians because Bruce Arians was openly campaigning for that job. Um, it ended up obviously going to a disciple of his in Freddie Kitchens. However, and I can understand that when you're away, you know, much like Terry Francona going to the Indians, okay, I want to I manage again. I want to coach again. I, I want to see if I can still do it. Bruce Arians left Arizona and in that last year in Arizona that is that is a that is not a roster that, that I would have given you as my father used to say a bushel basket full of one dollar bills for yeah he got them to eight and eight yeah a year after going to the NFC championship game oh I understand the desire to come back and coach I understand if the right opportunity presents itself. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers? <laughs> you know, he had said that if he got the Cleveland Browns job, that he wanted to keep on Freddie Kitchens as the head coach or as the offensive coordinator and groom him to be head coach. Uh, I, I'm sure Freddie Kitchens' attitude on that these days is, "Oh, you could make me the head coach of the Browns. That's mighty whitey, of Bruce." But you know, you look at where Arians ended up instead. You got Jameis Winston on his absolute last chance here at quarterback. Uh, as I referenced earlier, uh, I admit to being a bitter clinger on a lot of things. I'm a bitter clinger on uh, Ronald Jones. I, I think he is not nearly as bad as he looked last year. I, the, the talent he showed at USC is real. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to be a star for them this year, but I think he can at least be replacement level as he works his way back to where he was. You got Mike Evans and a whole lot of question marks aside from that at wide receiver. Uh, they paid dearly uh, to get uh, Chris Godwin in there. They got to hope for the best from him. Uh, O.J. Howard is a guy with a great future behind him, is all I can say at tight end. And then uh, the offensive line, uh, that has been a real, real, real rough spot for their, for them in, in recent years, coinciding with uh, a real rough patch in their running game. So it's been the kind of negative synergy that no team in the league wants to get. Uh, defensively, uh, again, the, uh, the Dom Kong Sioux uh, pay me bitch retirement tour continues in Tampa Bay. And, uh, you know, he'll, he'll be in there uh, trying to, you know, get a little bit of short-term pop uh, as he was able to get last year uh, for the Rams. Uh, JPP, uh, that might be a guy who throws up gang signs every time he rushes the quarterback involuntarily. But, uh, you know, he's still got something left in the tank if he can go. Carl Nassib is a guy that I never wanted the Browns to cut in the first place, and you're seeing why. Uh, there, but uh, just the fact that I can single out some of the bright spots on this defense, I got them at seven and nine, which to me is the absolute floor for what a Bruce Arians team would ever ever be. See, that's that's where I argue with you. Uh, first of all, on OJ Howard, uh, re- uh, I'm sorry, on Chris Godwin, uh, referring, referencing his cousins, uh, uh, representing his uh, his representing his cousins. Okay, so one of these one of these times I'm going to get this out. Yeah. Cousin, uh, <laughs> There's a slop bucket reference coming, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would think his cousin's been 
Darius I and Henry O. Yeah, all this Brown and Chris Godwin's career ain't mud. <laughs> Don't go messing with a country boy. Okay, Howard. I will disagree with you. Not vehemently in the case of Matt Ryan and Drew Brees. I will disagree with you slightly, though. I loved O.J. Howard coming out of college. I did, too. What you've done. I said I was disagreeing with you slightly. Okay. (laughs) I like Cameron Brait more than some as the second tight end. Mike Evans is absolutely an extraordinary talent. He's a top ten wide receiver in this league. Again, I hate to beat a drum until it has no more sound, but beyond Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Justin Watson, Scotty Miller, Bobo Wilson, uh, these are guys that sound like they should be working at Buffalo Wild Wings and not behind the bar either. (laughs) Well, and also third string at tight end, you got Mr. Wonderful Scott Orndorff. Although you know, he's only he's only the second he's only the second best wrestler on the team because the third string at left defensive end is Pat O'Connor. Vince McMahon, if you're not listening to these previews, you really should be. I think you'd enjoy them greatly. Uh, I agree with you, Rojo. His talent at USC, I will I I will even go as so far as to say you said his talent was real. I believed it was real, and it was, and is. Yes, thank you, Johnny Cochran, or faux Johnny Cochran. Faux Johnny Cochran. Uh, You know, Peyton Barber Barber is somebody that I like. I don't love Jameis Winston. I talked about this in an earlier episode, which is I would have gone to my GM and said, I, I would have, I'm sorry, as a GM, I would have gone to my owner and said, you will fire me before I will draft him. I thought he was nothing but a problem coming out of Florida State. Incidentally, great documentary out there, The Hunting Ground that I watched, interviewed his accuser at Florida State. I defy anyone to watch that tape and think to themselves, well, yeah, he didn't do it. Now, you're absolutely right. This is his last chance. Bruce Arians is obviously a quarterback whisperer given what he's done in his career. I will list Ben Roethlisberger, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, Carson Palmer, all four likely Hall of Famers, all four are arguably transcendent talents. Jameis Winston might make the Hall of Fame in his high school that he attended. Something <laughs> bad. So, offensively, again, with the exception of Mike Evans, and I like O.J. Howard more than you, there are glaring questions in terms of skill position. This offensive line is, is absolutely terrible. Um, to me, it's a bottom, to me, it's it's no question a bottom eight, if not a bottom four in this league. Defensively, yeah, Jason Pierre-Paul, Gerald McCoy, uh, Carl Na- Carl Nassif, with the exception of those three, glaring questions on that defense. The secondary, to me, with the exception of Bernard Hargreaves, who I really like, is is again bottom four, you know, worse in this division, bottom four in this league, or I'm sorry. Yeah, bottom four in this league, bottom uh, four in this conference. You know, you say seven and nine. I love Bruce Arians. I cannot tell you, especially, I met, I mentioned in an earlier episode, the excellent Amazon Prime season, All or Nothing with. They did the first one with the Arizona Cardinals. You get to know uh, Bruce Arians. I read Bruce Arians. I read his book, too. It's outstanding. 
Um, I'm rooting for the guy. He's not a miracle worker. You say seven and nine, I say five and eleven, and that's a very good year. Yeah, I think uh, that could be a likely outcome, no question about it. And uh, just to kind of put a bow on Tampa Bay and the division as a whole, Jameis Winston at this point in time still best known for cracking open the the uh, stolen lobsters and cracking open involuntarily the legs of co-eds, allegedly. For Raymond Smalley, this is Rick Morris. We thank you for joining us for our preview of the NFC South in 2019. As we bring the show to a close, we would like to extend our deepest gratitude to NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, all clear channel affiliates, TNT, TBS, USA, UPN, Deadspin.com, YouTube.com, YTMND.com, MySpace.com, various blogs, Fox News, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, IAMBoard.com, Billboard.com, Google.com, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN News, ESPN Classic, NBA TV, NFL Network, Sports Time Ohio, Athlon Magazine, Comedy Central, Cartoon Network, The Boomerang Channel, QVC, BET, The Spice Channel, Steno Notebooks, Manwich, Papermate Office Supplies, Waitresses, Strippers, Bartenders, Garbage Men, Janitors, Microwave Popcorn, The Writers of The Office, Scrubs, Entourage, My Name is Earl, Oz, Metalocalypse and the Boondocks, Aquafina, and The Periodic Table of Elements.